Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Good morning, college students. Cold weather. My name is Brian Leach, and um, I am from a church in um, Phoenix, Arizona called CCV. And uh, this is my first time in Boise. <clears throat> it's really cold here. Yeah. Holy cow. I was walking around last night uh, in downtown Boise. And um, oh my goodness. Um, was uh, with Dr. Williams. And he offered me my jacket. And I said, there's no way I'm taking your jacket. Not in a million years. And he said, I didn't think you were a girl. Um, <laughs> no offense to you girls, okay. But you know what I'm saying. But Wow. I, I don't know why people live in cold. Uh, uh, I grew up in Indiana, so I was, uh, I'm kind of used to cold. Uh, I, or I used to be used to cold. And uh, there's this thing called uh, when you move to Arizona in the desert, your, your blood thins. And I thought it was a farce. It's real. It's really real. And so, you know, anything under 50 is just really bad for me. So, uh, Lord bless you all. <laughs> Lord bless you for sure. Um, I love speaking to college students, uh, as, as I was so introduced by Lydia, one of our current residents. I, I was, um, I've been in the ministry, I'm celebrating 31 years actually this year. Uh, I know you guys thought I was probably 32 or something like that, so uh, yeah, hey, hey. Um, and so uh, 31 years, and in 31 years, uh, I've gotten to be a, a, a the primary thing, half of over half, was being in the kids' ministry. So, woot woot. Um, I believe that you know that kids make decisions before twelve, higher percentage than any place in the world. So, I'm a huge passion for that. I've also been an adult pastor. Uh, I've been a youth pastor. Uh, I was even a lead pastor. Planted a church for four years, uh, which was pretty cool. I was even a worship pastor, but I don't really want to talk about those those years. You won't hear that from me anymore. Um, but I love speaking to college students, and God called me uh, to leave a, a kids' ministry role that I love so much uh, to fully-fledged invest in a program called the Residence Program at CCV, uh, where we give you a one-year, and I'll throw this in there, paid um, residency program where you can come and, and just learn how to, to do hands-on practical, get your hands dirty. Um, I use the phrase often in our ministry uh, for residencies is you get a year to fail forward. Um, if, if you jump out of here, you seniors, and just jump right into a church, when you fail at that church, guess who that's on? It's on you. <laughs> and I did that. I was a Bible college student. I graduated from Johnson. Please don't hold that against me. Um, and I jumped right in the church, and my first year and a half was really hard. And I don't know how I made it. And you guys see the stats of how people make it. But this residency is a chance for you to come and, and, and fail forward. And we would love to talk to you guys. Uh, some of you, especially juniors and seniors, not that we don't like you freshmen and sophomore because you need to start thinking about the future. But you juniors and seniors, the rubber's meeting the road really soon for you, right? And so let's talk. Uh, we'll be here today, lunch, uh, one to three. Uh, I'm offering free food tonight for you juniors and seniors at some pizza place. I guess it's okay. Maybe, I'm not sure, not been there. 
We're going to continue uh, the series in Subversive. Uh, and today I'm going to talk about your subversive identity in Christ. And uh, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I am not an academia kind of person. Uh, I, I do have a master's and I got it through the residency program. Uh, I graduated, like I said, in Bible college. Uh, I'm more of a heart kind of guy. And when I got this, ti- this title, it said subversive identity in Christ. The first thing I did was not know what subversive meant. And I even asked some of my residents, I go, hey, uh, what's this word, subversive? And a couple of them looked at me and went, I don't know. And so I started investigating a little bit of this. Of this. And, and it's, it's a current trend. It's a big word that people like to use. And it's a great word. But you break it down, subversive, the first part, sub. And when you think of sub, you think of what immediately? A submarine, which a submarine goes under. So sub means under. Like undercover, because that's what a submarine is. It, it, you don't see it. It just, you know, sneaks up on you before you know it, a torpedo. Boo! So under, and then versive means versus, like against. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about your identity. And how, as, as a believer in Christ in today's world, where the word Christian does not have a, a positive connotation, is how you can make a difference in, in kind of a, a counterculture, uh, undercover way, yet big difference. But it all comes down to our identity. Let me give you a kind of an illustration. So you see, um, when, I took, when I took over this, this residency role, I was also in a life stage change. I have three children. I have a 24-year-old who just graduated college a couple of years ago, got married. Uh, I have a 22-year-old who, who just graduated from my residency program. I brought her with me today. Um, is, and she's trying to figure out life, and my youngest just graduated high school a year ago, 20. So I have a 20, 22, 24. So all of my children are, uh, I'll use, I use this often, adults. Um, and some of you are sitting there in that situation right now. I'm old enough to be your dad, which uh, I'm not, I am paying for dinner tonight, so that is kind of a dad move. Um, but it was a, a big shift in my identity, because for the majority of their life, I was the primary voice. I was the, the loud, the, uh, you might be shocked by this, but once you get to know me, I was the loud leader. And, and now as they roll into this adult phase of life, I, my identity's changing. And, and I have to be honest with you, it's been the hardest part of parenting that I've ever experienced. Of knowing when the push and when the pull. Um, I start uh, conversations sometimes with, do you want my opinion or do you want me to listen? And what's funny is they'll tell me their opinion and then they'll say, I just want you to listen, Dad. And then they'll tell me everything that's going on and then they'll end it with this. What do you think? You didn't want my opinion. It's so confusing to raise you people. And so my identity is just slowly, slowly changing. And uh, I realized that my identity was all focused on me and my role and what I did, and the difference that I could do. And when, as my children have grown into adults, it's, fo- it's more transitioning to we. How do we work together? How do we live life together? And the difference that we have. And you may be sitting there as a college student going, what in the world is he talking about? Is, he, is this a counseling session for him to t- talk about his parenting? <laughs> Maybe. 
But more of this is, as I transition my identity from all about me to, to we as a parent, we as believers in Christ need to transfer our identity instead of just us and what, what, how, what do we get, how does it influence us, what, what, how do we feel. Instead of me, I want to talk about transitioning our identity into this subversive kind of identity in Christ to we. And what does God want? And how appropriate leading worship, she talked about that over and over in some of the lyrics in the song, is what do you want, God, not what do I want? And as you face this time in, in the world and in Bible college and where some of you are getting ready to hit the real world, is you think you have a plan. And you think you know what God wants you to do, but is that his plan? And how can you make the biggest difference in changing the world? See, God's, folk, God's plan for all of us has never been intended to focus on us, on me. It's always been to focus on we in changing the world. Let me get an illustration of the early church. <laughs> the early church was a bunch of ragtag, uneducated people who literally changed the world by how they lived. You see, the early church, they didn't lead rebellions. They didn't go out and, and have protests. They didn't throw bricks through windows. But they changed the world by loving other people and by caring for one another. They lived a life that just attracted people by how they treated one another and how they put God as a priority. And it grew by leaps and bounds and it wasn't in your face because it couldn't be because they were under Roman oppression and if it was in your face, they would have died, become candles in the roadways. There's a great illustration. Uh, th there was an emperor, his name was Julian the Apostate and there's a lot of theories on whether he was the first Christian emperor or, or whatever, but he had a quote and it, and it said this, his, his, his quote went like this, they're feeding, the, he's talking about the Christians, <coughs> he said they're feeding the poor, and they're feeding our poor too. And I guess that was a complaint, but what a, what a pretty cool complaint if you ask me. Their focus wasn't on themselves, it, was, it, was on, it wasn't on me, it was on we and how they could change the world. Many times we as Christians uh, we feel like we need to make a difference. And most of us don't know how to do it. How can we really make a difference in the world? And especially in the world, as I said earlier, that doesn't look on Christians favorably. And in fact, uh, when they, if you walk up to somebody and say, I'm a Christian, and most of us have changed our language and we don't say we're a Christian anymore because it's got a negative connotation. We'll come and say, I'm a Christ follower or I believe in Jesus. We'll say some things like that. But how do we make a difference in this world? Because our desire, just like the early church, is to change the world. But it gets so clouded often because we focus on ourselves. And, and, and many times this paralyzes our effectiveness and uh, it makes us either scared, like, well, I could never uh, make a difference in this world because, you know, people are going to make fun of me or I don't know enough or I don't feel good enough about it. Or we're unaware because we get stuck in our Christian box. One of the biggest things that you need to worry about about being in the Bible college is getting and going into ministry, and I struggle with it daily, and I fight this on a regular basis still after 30 years of ministry, is getting out of that Christian box. My work is at a church, my friends are from a church, uh, I don't listen to Christian music, so I, don't, I got that one off, the 70s, 80s rock kind of thing like that, so you can check that off. But everything around me is church. My kids have been raised Christian. They've married Christians. They're hopefully dating Christians. All these things, 
And getting stuck in that box, you become unaware of your surroundings. Or many times we don't change that world because we're just too far self-absorbed in our own identity instead of what God truly wants. I believe that if you call yourself a Christian follower, that you need to start changing now the way you approach the world that we live in. I believe that church needs to change. We need to get off this me focus. And there are many churches across the country that are all focused about me within. How do we, you know, I, 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 the, the, the phrase that I love the most, and, and I just want to let you know, sometimes I offend people. I'm just going to preclude that, okay? If I offend you, please come talk to me. Get to know me. Uh, I'm actually an okay person is I think there are a lot of churches that focus on me. And, and I hear this phrase a lot, so I'm not getting fed at my church. And, and I hate that phrase. Do you know why? Because we need to learn to feed ourselves. And the church is a place where lost people can come and know who Jesus is. Now, if you totally disagree with me, that's okay. We can still agree and still go to heaven. We can disagree and still go to heaven. But I feel like we need to get this me focus off and get this we focus. In fact, I feel like the Bible talks about this, especially in Romans 8, that it is our obligation. In Romans 8, 12, it talks about, uh, uh, it, it talks, they're talking to people uh, who follow Jesus that they have an obligation. It says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. Romans chapter 8, uh, the whole chapter talks, talks about this. It says that we need to shift from thinking about ourselves to thinking about what God wants. Because one th form of thinking, the flesh, leads to death. The other form of thinking, which is in the Spirit, leads to life and what God wants. And being a part of something bigger than just ourselves. It's our obligation that we have to live by the Spirit. And letting God lead us. I think many, many times often we live our life like this. And, and I did. Uh, and I still do sometimes. As I pray to God, say, God, just lead me to where you want me to go. And this is how I approach my relationship with God. Is I want to grab God's hand and drag him along with me. God, I think I should be over here. When our life needs to be, will we grab God's hand and we go, let's go. And let him grab us to where we want to go. Think about how you're living right now. So how do we do this? How do we shift from me to we? I'm going to talk about three things that I think that we should do. It's a sermon. It has to be three things, right? Preaching profs are going, yes. One of the reasons that I think that um, we, we don't shift from me to we is, and, and I, I sat in the chair just like you did. I went to chapel, gosh, when I was in school, back in my day, we went to chapel four times a week and we had a grade and we had a seating chart. Had to wear a tie on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Lots of persecution back then. <laughs> but I believe the reason that we have this hard time to shift is because we're fake. Is that clapping in my microphone? Yes, I got clapping in my sermon. I believe that we're fake. 
I think the number one reasons that people don't come to follow Jesus is because of Christians. They're like, man, I'm not going to be a Christian if that's the way they're living their life. Or I'm not going to be a Christian because they say one thing and they do another. I remember... um, as a, as a, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Indiana, like I told you. And I went to church, a little small church. Uh, and I was always under the pretense that as a Christian, I could never make a mistake. And I felt like as, as a, if I was going to follow Christ, I needed to be perfect. And if I ever made a mistake, by no means would I ever tell anyone. Because Christians had to be perfect. And I, I couldn't be real. And I... I'm facing scars even today as a, as a 52-year-old because of that. Because I felt like I could never be real and I could never mess up. And I know some of you college students, you feel that exact same way. You feel like, hey, I, I, I've got some stuff I'm struggling with. And I can't tell my professor because if I tell my professor, he's going to kick me out of Bible college. For goodness sakes, I came to Bible college. I want to be a pastor. Guys... We're struggling with lust, aren't we? I mean, you look me in the eye and tell me you're not. Girls, you're struggling with that self-identity. That, you know, uh, I love this. I don't know this young lady's name. Lord bless you. You're struggling with my, she said it twice, am I good enough? At the residency program, we, uh, we do a retreat to start our program. Uh, I started it when I took over, and at this retreat, we share, our, um, we share our testimonies, our story, and to set the tone, I always share my story, and I, you know, if you ever want to sit down and hear my story, I'm, I have a messed up childhood, I have a, a lot of things, and I'm real with these guys, and I tell them, man, guys, don't come to this residency if you think you have to be perfect, because you don't. It's a chance for you to come and grow and learn. And we worry about mental health. We're sending over half of our residents, uh, we're paying 80% of their counseling. And, you know, you, at my day, you didn't go to counseling because counseling for the week. And that's just not true. But I had a resident after the last retreat come up to me and he goes, Hey, Brian, I was wondering if you would do some mentoring with me. And I said, and I, well, why? Why do you want me to mentor you? And he, his, his exact phrase is, You're the first pastor I've ever been around that didn't act like you had it all together. I Thank you, is what, what I thought. But no, I took that as a compliment because Craig Rochelle says this often. He says, people would rather follow a leader who's real than who's always right. Now, no matter what you feel about Craig, I don't want to talk about that, is that's a great statement. They'd rather follow a leader who's real than always right. We get so caught up in how, we're lo- how we look and how we're perceived by each other. But what people really want to follow is someone who's real. Because real people uh, are, are people who, man, I, you struggle, so do I. But Jesus loves me, and he loves you too. So if you want to change the world, you have to be real. you got to admit your mistakes in your life and be a real person. People who aren't perfect, but we're trying. People who are approachable and relatable. That's the change from me to we. Because when you try to be perfect, it's all about you. But when you try to be real, you're like, hey, let's do this together. That changes the world. The next is we need to cling to God's word. You, we can't pick and choose. So many times in Christianity today, it's cafeteria style. I'll believe in this, but I won't believe in that. 
I'll show up at chapel, I'll raise my hands, I'll worship, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to mess around with my boyfriend or girlfriend. Because, you know, God, you know, you go back to my first point. Now, we're not perfect, we can do this. So I always describe it like this, it's like you're standing on two bar tables, bar, you know, the round tables, you're standing on one's rickety and one's solid. And if you're standing on both of those tables and one of them is rickety, eventually you're going to fall. And we do that a lot with, with, with God's word to say, I'm going to believe in this, you know, God's, God's all about love, but, you know, you would never, like, be any consequences in my life. And so if we really want to change the world, we need to cling to all of God's word. I always relate, I'm reading 2 Kings right now, uh, reading through that, um, very torturous, uh, but also very enlightening. If you look in 2 Kings, there are kings over and over and over who'll do this. Is, you know, it, it says this, especially about the kings of Judah. It says, they did right in the eyes of the Lord. And we're like, all right, cool, we could stop there. But they didn't remove the high places. So they're doing right, they're doing right, but there's just that thing. Yeah, I'll do this, but I won't do that. I remember once that uh, I had a young lady in my ministry, and uh, she was dating a guy who claimed to be uh, a Christian, but he really wasn't. And because she felt like she needed to be loved and, and needed someone, she continued to date this person. It led her down a path that just wasn't who she really was. And she felt trapped. She felt like she, she couldn't do anything. Like if she got out of this relationship, she'd, she'd never find anybody else. And I remember having a conversation with her. And I told her, I said, look, you're never too far gone and you're never trapped. But you need to decide, are you going to be all in? Or are you going to be uh, just partially in? Are you going to jump in the water with both feet uh, with this walk of Christ? You're going to follow his word and you're going to do, do these things? She made the right decision. She dumped the dirt bag and now she's pursuing ministry. But each one of you have to decide, am I going to be all in or just partially in? Because we get caught up in what we do and our eyes are focused on us. It becomes our identity. And when we change the focus from me to we, God's word becomes real in our lives, and we decide, I'm going to follow this. I'm going to follow all of it, and not just part of it. And then our identity shifts. And then lastly, we need to love others. That's what the early church did. They loved people. They cared so much about people. Jesus himself hung out with sinners. He loved people. He didn't, didn't accept what they did, but he accepted them. And oftentimes, we try to love people our way. I was at a college campus once, and this may sound uh, first of all, I'm a skeptic. You'll, you'll need to learn that about me. Uh, I was at this college, uh, and they were, had a mission moment at their chapel. Uh, I was telling Dr. Williams about this, this. And the missionary that day had a coffee ministry. They had a little trailer. Uh, and, and I'm like, that's pretty cool, coffee ministry. Maybe you can, you know, cup of joe for uh, Jesus or something like that. And so, but their coffee ministry was to homeless people. And they wanted $500 a day. They were trying to raise $500 a day that would provide coffee to homeless people. And I really felt like in the middle of that chapel, I tried not to, that I did one of those palm things right here. Because in me, in my opinion, and they said this phrase, they said, well, many times homeless people don't get to choose what kind of coffee they get to drink. And I'm like, in my head, I was thinking, I can think of a hundred things a homeless person needs probably. And don't get me wrong, I love coffee myself. Love it a lot. And I'm sure a good cup of coffee is great for anyone, whether homeless or not homeless. I thought of a hundred different things a homeless person might need in addition to or besides coffee. And, and, I, and I thought over and over and over, I'm like, 
you're trying to love people the way you want to love them. Is that really the way God wants them to, to, to be loved? And when we love people, it can't be about us and how we feel. And it can't be just the people we like or people like us. We have to be able to love all people and let them know that God loves them. But remember, Jesus was a huge advocate that he loved all people, but he also held them accountable. When that shift happens, when we start loving what's, what the way God wants us to love people instead of the way we want to love people, when that shift happens from me, oh, this is how I'm loving people and this is how, you know, this is how they should be loved, instead of a God I'm gonna love people the way you want me to love people. And we start carefully praying and asking God how to best love people. Our relationship and our identity changes and the world changes. And, and it changes with it, without even us like, you know, I'm just doing what God wants me to do. I'm not trying to change. I'm just doing what God wants me to do. Then if we do these things, our identity changes. The passage in, in Romans 8 goes on like this. For those who are led by the spirit of God, remember that was our obligation to follow the spirit, are children of God, children of God. That would be our identity when we choose to, to shift it from me to, to God and, and to his, where he wants us to go in his image. What a title, a child of God. And, and because we're his children, we have this simple yet perfect relationship that goes on in eight. It says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. And so when we decide to shift our identity onto, from us to we, to where God wants us to go, we get this relationship where we can call God Daddy. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I am a father, and my kids don't all still call me Daddy, which would be weird for my 24-year-old, six-foot-five, going, hey, Daddy. I'm like, no, Dad. But it's such a term of endearment. And I always knew my kids wanted something when they started with that term. Daddy, okay, it's gonna cost me at least 20 bucks. What do you need? But it's that close relationship of, of our father, of intimacy, of trust and concern when we can call him daddy. And when we are in this with God, God wants us to be with him. It, it, verse eight goes on, chapter eight goes on. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are God's children. That's our title. Now, if we are his children, then we are his heirs. That means we're in this with him. Heirs. Heirs of, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we are in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. This relationship occurs only when it isn't about ourselves. So my challenge for you guys is as, as young difference makers, and that's what I see when I look out here I don't know what you see when you look at yourself, but when I look at this group of people, I see difference makers. You see, God only has one plan, and that's his church, his bride of Christ. He doesn't have a plan B, that's the plan A, and that means you could be a difference maker. But this never happens. You don't become a difference maker when your focus and your identity is in you. And what you can do and all your skills and all your, your, your hype. And, you know, you guys know. I mean, there's always the guy who shines. And, and some of you guys just want to lay back in the difference. And that's okay. That's who you are. That's how God made you. But that's, your focus can't be on you. It needs to be on others. And it needs to be on God. 
So ask yourself, in your life, are you being real? Do you have people that you can be real with? Are you fully obeying God's word or are you just picking and choosing? And do you really love other people? Are you willing to love other people the way God wants you to love them? If you take a good look at that obligation talked about in Romans 8, that we as followers of Christ should be, our shift needs to switch from, we, from me to we, and that we means God first, anyone else who wants to join you in that cause, and then I truly believe the world would change. My prayer for you, and no matter where God leads you from here, is that you allow him to be the guy who's, guiding you, who's pulling you instead of you trying to pull him. And that your identity doesn't have to be robust and out there. It could be sub. Is, is counterculture to what, what the world tells you. And then you can change the world for Jesus. Guys, your age, you're, you're headed to, I don't know what ministry is going to be like for you. Um, I, I'm actually, you know, feel blessed that, that I'm not, we're, we're already facing things we've never faced before in the church. And if we don't go into this going, hey, I'm going to be real, uh, I'm going to cling to God's word, but I'm going to love you like you've never been loved before, we're going to become obsolete. And I see the church doing that all across the world. Let's not let that happen. But that starts with difference makers like you. So my prayer is that wherever God leads you and whatever he leads you to, that you are willing to step up for that challenge. Let me pray for you guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, these young men and women, and some of them not so young men and women. And I ask God that you, uh, you guide each and every one of us, and you call us to, uh, to where you're leading us, but help it to be your call and not ours. Help us to, to be willing to listen and to be willing to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.